Welcome to Just Another Side Quest. This is a show where a couple of 30-year-olds discuss current games we're playing, thoughts on various bits of gaming news, and we'll definitely get sidetracked pretty often. We're married, some of us have kids, and a few of us work in the games industry, and a couple of us don't. We keep it casual and try to cover a wide range of games. I'm James, and on this episode, Randy, Aaron, and I will be discussing a new game, Monster Train, as well as returning to some usual suspects, including Titanfall 2 and Legends of Runeterra. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Randy. And I'm James. And I'm Aaron. And we nailed it. Oh, guys, it. we got it. We got <laughs> it. That's, that's <laughs> all it is is one our in names. a row. But we seem to completely mess it up. I think it's me. I think it's usually me waiting for Aaron. Well, I mean, that you're just being you're just being polite. Uh, it's my know. attempt, but I am apparently being incorrect. Well, you know, that's despite our best efforts, we all fail on a daily that's, basis. It's very fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I have failed to stop playing a new game. Uh, nearly every day. It's what just, is um, this new game? Oh, so I mentioned on the end of not last episode because that was the wonderful one-on-one uh, with you and Danny, which was fun. I listened through, um, and I have thoughts, but uh, I have them written down, and I'll just keep them to myself because you both, you 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 guys kept uh, talking about games, and I'm like, you're forgetting, you're forgetting real important ones like uh, Titan Titanfall Two is just. If you want Titanfall 2, it is there's nothing quite like it. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh that's fair. We've we had huge amounts of uh genres almost that we didn't really cover in any sort of depth. Maybe we have to do a part 2 that like just tries to essentially convert games into different forms of meal. <laughs> that that Yeah, cuz I don't I don't know what meal it would be, but um, before I go into the one that I touched on two weeks ago, uh, since we're here, I'm going to talk about Titanfall 2 because I played through the campaign again, um, and I love it so much. So Just second, second time through, I like it more than the first time I played through. I need to replay um, it then. Oh, man, there's there's a level... Uh, it's it's an old enough game, and we've talked about it many times. Everyone should have played it by now. I'm going to do light spoilers. There's a there's a level where you are underground, and they are building like modular buildings on top of like platforms. Mm. That level's amazing. It's like an automated uh, system, and so it'll this giant you know uh, thirty by two hundred platform will move from one section to the next and they'll put like grass on it and then they'll put like a building and then they'll put like people in it. And these eventually build up to a big giant like battlefield, but you're going through the, the uh, assembly areas and you know, these things turn sideways and move forward and using the kinesthetics of the running and jumping and the double jump and the wall run is just Every time I play, I just see that I am playing wrong every time. I should be jumping off of that. I should be, I'm playing it like Battlefield and I'm doing a lot of hiding behind things and popping out and shooting. And they like but, force that out of your, like you lose that tool with everything moving around. Yeah, you need to be moving, always moving, always shooting. And I, I started trying to lean into that more like, no, no, go ahead and it's fine. I played on easy so that I would experiment more. 
Um, cause I, I know when I'm under pressure, I just play the way that I know works, which is, you know, stop and pop, uh, cover based, but you know, the game is not meant to be played that way. And it's so much more fun yeah. to play on an easier difficulty and, and experiment with, Oh, let's see if this line works or not. I died so many times, uh, cause I would, I would just fall into nothingness. Oh, well, there's nothing there. See if I can make <laughs> yeah, this jump or not. Right. Yeah. But it was so fun. I started playing with the, you know, all the guns that I hadn't before, um, taking stuff into unopportune, um, inopportune areas. Like, oh, I this is not the place for the shotgun or not the place for the sniper. But learning to close the distance with the shotgun has paid dividends because after I beat the uh, the final boss, which I guess Titanfall three is not um, off the table. EA has recently said that if uh, if respawn wants to do it, it's kind of up to them. Mm-hmm. And they just have to make a good pitch, and they can they're totally up for it. But they are very busy with uh, Apex. Yeah, clearly, speaking of mm-hmm. closing distance with shotguns, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but it's so good when you can run on the the walls, and you know it's not a big open environment; it's a very closed uh, environment. So there are walls specifically an obstacle specifically for you to vault off of and every time you touch a new wall you get your double jump back and it you never have to touch the ground yeah um the third one isn't a no and i really need the third game because they don't close out the story no folks it's kind (laughs) of they don't they don't close out the story it's very open-ended it feels like it's not just hinting at another sequel it's like there has to be another one um this is just one big build-up game, but it's so good. And some of the mechanics, the uh, I'll just say time travel mechanic, is so beautiful, beautifully done. Yeah, that's like a masterclass um, level. There's a couple mm-hmm. concepts in this game that, like, just the designers yeah, it, were able to completely twist first-person shooting into a really fun space. I I just hadn't witnessed. Yeah. So I mean. On your food analogy, I would say it would be something like Kraft Mac and Cheese, where if you want that, there's nothing on the planet that <laughs> is the same. Like, if you want that specific thing, you know, you, you can have a better mac and cheese, like a homemade baked mac and cheese is I better. don't know. I don't... But if that's not what you want, I like, think it's not going to be it. Titanfall's probably like the, the sous chef, like, three Michelin star mac and cheese version that you would get it but like you have it at home or to go i i just i, I just mean that re- regardless of its objective quality it's there's a subjective thing about it there's no game that scratches that itch i liked apex but it did not feel like titanfall to me yeah it felt right. they're different closer than call of duty but nothing has it's mirror's edge is closer uh it's i i feel spot. um but no, it's it's so great. I want I want another game, but to do that, I'm like, you know what? Let I'll I'll get back involved in the community. And I played online. How'd that go? I was I was blown away. I don't know what it is. Everyone's terrible. Oh, because okay. I was <laughs> okay. So not <laughs> I, you weren't blown away. You were I, like, I was blown away by blown my away. performance. <laughs> I was immediately second on my team and was trading for first and second. Uh, on my team and uh, we lost we lost that game but not by much like it was 
a, an extremely close game, and I was getting you know five kills uh, per death right off the bat. I was getting Titans called in. I was I was moving off You're the playing. walls properly. It was so good. Okay, little quick story. Uh, my friends and I, at some point, one of the Call of Duties, um, probably I think two ago, was released for free on, or we somehow had it. And so we loaded it up to try and play, and we got destroyed online. Mm-hmm. It was, we barely got to play. I mean, we essentially, we were dying out of spawn constantly, and it was like a squad-based mode. Yeah. And after that, we were like, no, we're <laughs> we're never loading up shooters that are not still like relevant on the market because we need like a player base to be able to like teach us how to play the game again and not just immediately I, load I into fully pros. expected that to be what it was so it's just it's nothing not. but expert mode so but it's I not probably do is get the guys then to maybe test this thing or try it out over apex sometime during a, like an apex night we actually load up titanfall it's very different it is it is breakneck all day it is it there's no there's no break like it it tired me out i did two rounds and i needed to take a break i'm serious um i only did two rounds that night and i'm like i gotta go to a different game but everything else was too slow i'm like load faster do something you know uh the remaster of tony hawk is the only thing that had enough speed to still keep me interested (laughs) after that fast yeah it's extremely fast but it felt slow um yeah playing online they it asks a lot of you but um i don't know i just had a great experience with there's it. enough people still playing though okay that's very encouraging i might actually try and load it up i've wanted to but again last couple times i've loaded up quote dead games or games with pretty much only the top end of its player base as far as skill goes or dedication um i just get get trounced same with yeah, I, I've had I've had the same thing uh, many times, and that's what I expected. But I maybe it was just two free crowns that I got second and third in in my class, uh, and they're like eight eight v eight or ten v ten. I was I was stoked with how well I did. Um, uh, maybe it was just re beginner's luck, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I had fun either way. Uh, we lost both rounds. The second one a little more. Uh, uh, and sadly, but it wasn't uh, just an absolute like wipe. No, I got to I I was lasting two minutes, three minutes on a life. Like I was nice. actually getting okay. to play around, and I was swapping to different titans yeah, and trying learn. stuff out. I was I wasn't as stressed as the last time that I uh, was active on the game where I was trying to get better. And I was trying to win. I was just I was trying to have fun and get good kills and i would see someone across the way and instead of trying to beeline towards them i would try to get up and uh you know get around them and uh get around behind them from up like finding different routes through buildings yeah. and on top of All buildings verticality yeah and i was using the game the way it's meant to be played now I, I just had so much fun with that nice that's encouraging. Mm-hmm. I want to play. So some the the stuff I was in uh, actually limited you to only like five different uh, titans, and it would kind of rotate. Um, uh, sadly, Vanguard's still my favorite. You know, the one that you play in the missions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just well rounded enough. I tried playing with the Ronin. I'm really bad with the Ronin. Um, but yeah, Van Vanguard's just 
what I'm used to uh, at this point. But I tried, I think Orion is what I played a lot as, and I think that's the 40 millimeter cannon. Um, but it's it's the one with the uh, semi-automatic cannon that when you get three direct hits, it fills up your your red ring, basically, mm-hmm. for a uh, missile salvo that's kind of got a weak oh, lock. Yeah, I love that. Gotcha. Yeah, it's a good campaign. That, that was a good one for uh, the levels I was in. Um, yeah, so the one that I talked about that I was going to play a month ago, and I did the following day, and I played for many days after, is very different. It is called Monster Train. And this is a deck-building, roguelike, turn-based strategy, I suppose. It's a lot of keywords. Yeah, it really it really is, but it works. Yeah. So uh, I was interested in it after hearing an uh, episode of Watch Out for Fireballs right after playing Legends of Runeterra. And I'm like, okay, well, I like the deck-building. I'm getting into that. But this has like a roguelike video game to it. Let's yeah. you know, let's let's check this out. So the premise is you are uh you are the forces of hell, and uh the forces of heaven has come down and basically laid waste to and frozen hell over. And it's more tongue-in-cheek than than like serious. Um but so you're trying to get this shard of the pyre which is you know what makes hell hot um uh you're trying to get this shard back to the center and warm hell back up basically okay and the only the only way there is on this train and you start in limbo and you go successively through the nine circles which is nine fights uh so you start with the train at the beginning, you do your first fight, and then each successive fight in between each one, you go from one circle to the next, and it's a branching path that you choose left or right. And on the left, it'll be, you know, hit points for your for your train, or um, new cards, or getting rid of cards you don't want, or money to buy upgrades, or upgrade opportunities for upgrades themselves. Um. It's a very complicated game, uh, easy to get into, but like hard to master, sort of a thing. Um, so when you when you start, you start with just one main clan and one support clan, but you can uh, unlock. I believe there's five or six different clans, and they all work differently. You know, one's uh, like a tank group, another one's a healer group, another one's a fighter group. And basically, each of, them, each of those has a main and secondary. Like, this one's the tank and healing. This one's the tank and um, free, like, uh, frostbite sort of a, sort of a, a okay. group. Yeah. Uh, so the same way in Runeterra that you'll pick, like, uh, a main deck and then a support uh, clan to help build that deck up and fill it out. Uh, I'm going to compare it very much to... Rune Terror, because that's something that we all understand. Yeah, we all mm-hmm. um, and so you'll you'll choose your, you know, you, you get an amount of cards at the beginning, uh, and then as it goes, you pick up and you get a choice between new cards uh, as you go on and build your deck. Um, the actual mechanics of the fight, when it starts, there's three, four levels to your train, right? So you got the bottom level is where the bad guys come in, and there's three or four of them. 
that come in with, you know, attack points, hit points, armor, and special abilities. And then you play cards to summon in monsters on the bottom level, middle level, or upper level of the train. And then at the very top is where your pyre is. So the enemy is trying to, they come into the bottom level, and then they each get to attack your guys. Then you get to attack back. And any one of the enemies that's left after one round where you each get to attack once, they move up to the second level of the train. Hmm. So you have to try and disperse your limited units because once you've played a unit with certain exceptions, that's it. If they die, they don't come back that that game. Like yeah. they will for the next fight, but that fight, that's it. They're gone. So you can make some mistakes and not have any actual creatures to fight with and be left with nothing but spell cards. And if they get up to the second level, then you have another round, the bottom fills up again, and then you have five or six cards with, and then a a pool of mana that doesn't change. You have like three or four spell points for each uh, successive round. And that, that's what you get. So you get, Draw five cards, see what you can play and balance it just for that hand. Then those cards go away and they will get shuffled back into your deck for the next hand. Um, There are ways to boost your pyre or your, uh, your, uh, your, you can boost your draw. You can boost how many people are on the, each section of the train and and, uh, how many uh, spell points you get basically to, to cast things. Certain cards are zero to cast. Then there's one, two, three, four, um, depending on how strong they are. But you can manipulate this like crazy. The game is made to be broken. Uh, As all good card art- games should feel. Is that your brain? Yes. Them? I mean, you'll get artifacts that one is, you know, if you have a certain build, uh, you can build for an artifact that you get at the, at the beginning. And one is like all cards. Uh, will get a random cost from one to three. So you can pick up all the four cost cards you want and just roll the dice. Or, you know, some of them are everything costs one less to cast. So if you have a bunch of one cost cards, then they become zero and you can just play them for free. And if they're spell cards, you can play them round after round after round. There's no limit to how many cards you can play, Mm -hmm. just how much energy you have to play them sounds like um, the labs of in runeterra yes it's sounding very familiar to what <laughs> we've been playing in runeterra mm-hmm. how long is yeah the experience or like how long do you think it will be if you're not through it all the way well like i said it's it's a roguelike um okay, and great. i've been ru- so. i've been running between 40 and 60 minutes per run wow okay so Pretty hefty. Very easy to metabolize, and you learn every time. I'm at about a 50% win. I've probably played 12 rounds, 14 rounds, something like that. Uh-huh. Um, I'm having a blast with it. Uh, I, I, I highly recommend it. It's free on Game Pass, you know, oh, if cool. you have it. Yeah. Uh, but I would, I may pay money for this just to have it wow. uh, forever because it's, it's being a roguelike, you can play. You could easily play 200 hours because there are modifiers yeah. that you can put on to make the game harder, but that's the only way you unlock certain things. But every every uh, every round, every fight that you do when you go to the next circle, 
when you win, it gives you three times that you get to choose a card. Like they'll give you two or three cards to choose from and say, you know, what kind of deck are you building for? And they're very different. Like first three spell cards, you know, which one of these do you want? And then it's, you know, two, uh, uh, players from your main faction, two from your, from your secondary and your amount of choice and your ability to quickly build a deck the way you want, um, between that and the upgrade spots, um, Mm -hmm. where you can, uh, you can buff the attack or the defense or, um, you know, the specials like spikes, which are, you know, you can add 10 spikes, which means that if an enemy attacks that character, they take 10 damage upon attacking them, right? Or you add frostbite five, which means they attack and they cause frostbite damage when they attack, which carries over through all of the levels. So every time they move up, they take damage. Uh, and there's a bunch of stuff like that where you can you can absolutely break the game and just wreck because the, like the first of the three major bosses has like 150 hit points. Then by the time you get to the ninth circle, um, that character generally has about a thousand hit points. So it climbs really fast. It expects you to basically cheat. Yeah, to get through the the end of the game or what yeah. feels like cheating and they've tuned it that way it's cool yeah super fun um i mean those are the two that i've been playing the most and having the most fun with very different experiences um but they've they've both been very good and i highly recommend uh both of them nice i'm gonna have to well titanfall for sure and then yeah i'll have to check that one out too yeah other it's... than that just <clears throat> catching up on on ring fit been back doing that yeah, and nice. so my legs hurt but uh that's good that sounds very similar to rune terra yeah i'm looking at steam it's 25 off of just straight no discount um dollars so it's 25 dollars if we were to get it um it looks like a more expanded version of the, than what rune terra has because of the extra some of those extra components of how you would want to play through it it's so deep. It's it's a very, very deep well. I mean, I'd recommend put it on. I've seen it on 50% sale before. Mm-hmm. So put it on a wish list and just wait. I mean, I I was thinking 10 to 15 is what I'd like to pay for it mm-hmm. um, because it is, it's just a roguelite sort of a thing. Uh, but it's it's very good. Yeah, it looks uh, like they I, have a a new expansion coming out too at the end of this month. That's cool. Yeah, it. I think it. I, well, I think one just came out recently, so maybe there's another one. Yeah, but yeah one they're... called the Last Divinity coming out March 25th. Wonderful. Yeah, it's, I'll, I'll just keep playing content. because they keep adding content. Very cool. Uh, so let's go ahead and segue into our Rune Terra corner before we move on <laughs> to our topic. Um, so uh, right after we recorded our last episode, I think the same day, um, James and I. Uh, got on to Rune Terra on the PC, and uh, I got to test my deck against uh, his. Oh yeah, it feels like it's been a while, which I guess it has. I, <laughs> it has month. been a while. It's been like a <laughs> yeah. month for for us. Um, so I'm gonna let you kind of describe how you feel that night went. Oh no, it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Um, 
my deck was definitely more efficient. Uh, it just had, I think, more copies of like specific cards. Um, and I, there's a couple traps um, that you can fall into on wanting to protect your nexus health more than anything else in the game. And slowly you realize that your nexus health is actually one of your tools um, to, to utilize. So there are certain times that health is a resource to be spent um, to buy you time to build your board and get some sort of combo going. So I think that was probably the biggest takeaway was you protected your nexus at all costs. And you had some crazy, some gigantic units that started showing up. Um, but at times, I would sacrifice Nexus Health for some sort of combo that I was trying to build so that my units were still there. Uh, so I think the win rate was in my favor, but uh, enjoyable night. And hopefully, especially on your side, going, okay, I need a couple more cards that do exactly what I need. So it's not this huge spread with high variance of what you get every time you play. Um, hone that in. Get a couple more champs of what you want. And then sometimes don't block with everything mm-hmm. and have it all die on you. And sometimes just leave it so that your guys are still up. Yeah, I think you were playing 3D chess and I was playing checkers. <laughs> Did you um, mention that that night? But it was yeah, fun. Well, yeah, well, I, 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 I think I only won one round and I feel like you, I feel like you came off the throttle a little bit uh, and probably could have beat me, but wanted to see how far you could push your deck. No, there was one um, game where you legit beat me. I, uh, I admittedly, I think, got some really poor draws and couldn't get out of the gate. You just, you know, get flooded with all of your late game stuff, even after a mulligan. That happens occasionally. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, the first deck I played against of yours um you cheesed uh a a card um you're gonna have to explain this to me a little bit there's a card that is like a thousand poros Mm. yes it's a very like the eighth like the eighth round you came out with this poro that was like hard 11 and 10 yes so what it does is it combines all other poros into one mega poro and Mm -hmm. so the entire deck is built around high card draw and low cost cards so that i always have a lot of stuff in my hand, but at the same time can play a ton of stuff onto the board every turn and like completely refill my board with guys. And they have all the keywords. And so it's a bunch of cheap garbage poros with keywords. And then you drop a heart of the fluffed. It combines all the keywords. And I can do that fairly quickly so that I have like a, you know, a 12-12 overwhelm, invisible, tough poro unit that a lot of decks have found, a lot of decks actually can't handle how quickly that that happens if you get it to work out right. That's the point. That's the cheese. It's entirely built around kind of getting that card. If that doesn't show up, uh, it runs out of steam, and it's just the units are too cheap for a better late-game build mm-hmm. um, that's, like, really built around surviving. So that's, yeah, that was the that was the first deck I threw at you. Not even the cheesiest. Yeah, I cut through a lot of them, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm doing pretty good." Like he's gonna run out of units pretty, pretty quick, and then just you just kept 
playing stuff. Yeah. It doesn't run out of gas. Yeah, it didn't. It just it just kept going. And I I felt like I was building really well on my side. You weren't able to take anything out because all the poros were pretty weak. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, sweet, I'm just building whatever I want. And then just this this beast came in <laughs> and just started wrecking. And with the overwhelm, it was just whittling away. I'm like, I've got nothing to take this thing down. And I think it had quick. So it would take out whatever I had before I could even chip away at its mm-hmm. health. Yeah. And that was like round seven or eight. And I'm like, oh, I've got nothing for this. That's the it's other got quick. I got nothing that can survive yeah. the hit. On top game meta decks, or when like I'm looking through top lists, most of them have more spells in their deck than units. And at the lower tier levels of play, especially early players, and I know I did this, and I'm trying to get better and more used to spells. Mm-hmm. You run more spells than, than people because your people just can't deal with some of the crazy shenanigans that show up. But spells can. There's so many spells from different regions that can take your enemy and pull them back into the the enemy's hand. You know, just redu- remove all of what they've been building. Uh, you know, just one shot, destroy a unit, obliterate something, stuff like that. And honestly, and obliterate is what you have to use to deal with that, um, the Megaporo. That or even a recall, right? Because if a recall, it's going to recall the Heart of the Fluffed back into its regular state, which is just the 4-6 or 6-6 six, six, um, base unit. So it loses all of the com- combining it did, which can be devastating, um, I think. I think that that's how that interaction works. So there's a couple ways that that card gets shut down. There's also like yeah, you have ways. you have to know it's coming yeah. is the thing like yeah that's there's so many weird ways that you can get rid of a really powerful unit through spell casting over unit creation so that's the big thing is to get used to first off you have to memorize to get really good um, what to expect so when you see a deck come at you and you see what two regions it is you start to know where spell. Uh, effects happen in their mana listing and mm-hmm. so that's where i have an advantage over you if i think i just have more cards memorized so i know when you get down under six mana you can no longer afford several cards that would insta ruin my plans and then if you keep overspending like if i keep holding off on my big move and you spend more and get down to like two mana now i know you cannot afford to deal with this like big thing I'm about to drop. Um, so at high level play, <laughs> they're like passing back and forth constantly. Like they don't want to. Everyone, it's it, the spells make the game very reactive, um, and so having initiative is really great for offensive pushes. But it's terrible at developing your board because reactively the other player then can build exactly what will counter what you just developed. Mm-hmm. So it's this very fun tug of war since initiative does have perks and then also reacting has perks uh it's it is it's 4d chess at some point that's it turns into i have 50 cards memorized in my head and i know where all their spell casting like prices are so that i know when i've gotten out of a danger zone so it's very fun to watch high level players play especially I think Aaron and I both really like um, on YouTube. He's called Mega Mogwai. We've Mogwai. mentioned him before. Yeah, and I keep mentioning him. Uh, he's really fun. He's the only person I found that talks out almost everything going on in his head. 
I've seen other people, they just get really quiet and they just kind of think through their turn and then do something and then maybe explain a piece of what they're thinking. Um, he's just like nonstop talking, which is great. So it's really helpful to hear somebody explain exactly why they're doing things. A lot of which I disagree with in the moment. I'm like, why are you not doing? And then the following turn, I go, oh, right. He didn't play that because he needed to save two of his mana for this following turn because he was thinking ahead. I'm like, ah, that's why he's uh, in the Masters. And I'm, I don't think I've even played ranked, so I'm, I'm a plebe, low tier. I think that's part of what's wrong with my deck is I can't plan ahead because I don't know what's coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because my, my deck is, I don't have very many repeats of anything because I feel like I need all of these options, but that could be what's killing me a little bit. I mean, I was thinking, well, I'll play against James, then I'll see if I can beat Aaron, but I got wiped by James's decks. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I'm not ready for that. Aaron, yeah, um, if you want cheese, Aaron will play the whole game, and I'm like, fight me, please. Just f- I just want my guys to attack your guys. And she's like, you know, we're going to Star Spring. It's going to be fine. And I'm like, yeah, I got you down to five health. And then you're like, hey. I'm going to heal. I have pulled away from that a that little is, more. That's true. I you keep, keep referencing that. that deck, and I but... don't think I've played that deck against you unless you asked for it. No. <laughs> it was. It's a very oppressive deck in like the worst kind of way where you're stuck playing a 30-minute game where and I'm just you like... don't play with me <laughs> and then you just win at the end. <laughs> you're just yeah. doing your own solitaire thing. And I'm like, I, I I, I'm really play. playing a different game than you are. Yeah. But it's like winning Age of Empires by getting the uh yeah. um the wonder built yes, or something. Yes, that's exactly it. She's over building a one a wonder, but she somehow has a wall I don't get to breach. And I just want to skirmish, <laughs> but there's there's no one. It's just a pile of monks healing away in the in the corner. She just mined nothing but stone from the beginning and it's just all wall just like yeah. four walls thick. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, this is this is really exciting. At the same time, it is fun to play into a little bit because you you know you're on this timer, um, and there are tools like you just need to put them in your deck. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I would say that card is not the best design they've put into the it's, game it, for no, Star Spring. It's a little on the. It's not the best engagement. Yeah, because it's not, it, and that's true. It does fit for the region. Yes. Um, and what yeah, that region is about. So thematically, it makes sense. Mechanically, it's a little on the uninteresting side as far as what it does to to gameplay. Yeah, and for me, deck build around which, particularly at the beginning, it was hard for me to get around my head around the aggressive decks. Like I'm getting better about it now. Yeah, but that was a great region for me to go into because it let me just sit there and experience all these different regions, (laughs) all the aggressive decks, and. That when I was able to just outlast them because I didn't care for what they did in the same way that I, I because I didn't have to care. Um, it let me actually ease into the game a bit more. Yeah. In the game mode. So, uh, there's a new expansion out, and I mentioned yes. this because the new expansion for Sharima, the sand people, mm-hmm. not really sand people, <laughs> people of the desert. Um, let me see. Desert people, they have sand people. The Egyptians is essentially what it is. Yeah. Like ancient Egyptians with a bunch of Egyptian god looking people. Um, They have a ton of new landmarks, which that's what yeah. I'm complaining about. The Star Spring is a landmark card. It's a specific type of card. There's very few. And so I think 
that annoying deck will indirectly get nerfed because now there are a pile of landmarks. There's a ton of really good new ones. So most decks are probably going to start running landmark removal, which they weren't earlier since there were only two or three landmark decks that were scary where you actually needed to delete the landmark off the table. Most of the time you could is more efficient to ignore the landmark and then deal with the, the units. But now, with all these new landmarks, that deck probably will go down in popularity even further. Uh, one thing I uh. absolutely have adored for the last month is the single-player kind of gauntlet, honestly very similar to what you were talking about with a in completely just game built around deck building solo play uh, is the the Runeterra Labs. Mm -hmm. And you can pick a champion and then you essentially go through, it's almost like a train. Like you, they're very specific fights. You're going to fight the same deck every time, but there are nine decks to try and get through to beat this mode. And you have to do it off of a pre-built, to start with, a pre-built deck featuring uh, a, a specific champion. So you have a couple to pick from. And when you pick that champion, there's a pre-built deck kind of to help them based around what they do. And then every win that you get, it gives you some randomized new global buffs, specific cards, buffs for other cards. And so it's slowly your deck is going to turn into what feels like this insane OP deck that's just unbeatable. And then they try and balance that with just very oppressive decks to fight against you with some crazy global rule changes as well. And so that's the point. You have a health bar, essentially, and as you go through each um, fight, that health slowly dwindles. It doesn't replenish until you get to boss fights. And so it's like kind of a, a holdout. And, oh, I didn't do very good, but at least I beat this level. So I'm going into the next one pretty weak, so it's a lot more tense. Um, it's very fun. And if you lose a single fight, you completely kicked out you lost and you have to start all over which can be rough after like getting into that last home stretch two or three times with the same deck and just getting like a really bad hand one round and losing off that but that my is goodness. that is just like uh monster train is the same way yeah. that pyre up at the top has limited health but it does attack so you can still make it through yeah but yeah once that's gone that ends your run you yes, still get your an core. amount of xp based on how far you made it so if you make it eight circles, it's not zero. It's you still unlock a bunch of stuff, but you don't get like the big XP boost for finishing the run. But yeah, yeah that does sound uh, like similar. some familiarity. Yeah, and I I love this mode. It's a good wind down mode. Um, playing yeah. against somebody with the timers, just the fact that you need to kind of stay focused and engaged. It's still a pretty chill experience compared to like Apex, where you really need to play. Um, this is an, another step down on the chill. Like you can play it in bed and really actually like just kind of slowly play a couple games until you're tired and then f finish the run tomorrow because you can save it. Mm -hmm. You can come back to a run that hasn't been failed. So it's good. I would, again, a great time to learn the game. It's another really great tool at just getting used to how cards work, how interactions work. 
the initial decks in here are sh- uh, not short. They're small. So you the don't have a lot of The powers to... can be over overpowering sometimes. Which yeah, So I de- guess, yeah, for someone powers. new, you'll, you might get too used to like crazy, these specialized powers that you mm-hmm. can pick for the deck. And then you get into a real game and go, oh, this is... This is so much weaker than it was when I was playing in the labs. Admittedly, I built a deck around one of my lab runs. Because oh, yeah, most people, I think, would. That's like talk to coworkers about that building decks. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I had a bunch of fun around runs, um, and then it failed spectacularly when I played against James because I just never got the card draw I needed for three games in a row. It was great. But oh yeah, that was tough. That was tough. But that's yeah, those decks that are too speci- like they're based off of two very specific synergies and then you don't draw any of the components for that. Yeah. Feels bad. And that's yeah. yep. That's a lower tier deck. That's why we have a meta. I It's just certain decks are consistent and that's a big thing in high level play. I don't. I know that expeditions. You don't get powers during expeditions, right? You just get new cards. Just new cards, but because of the limited card count uh, and the champions when they show up, you can, due to RNG, get some really poor choices mm-hmm. that don't synergize with the rest of your build very well. Or you can get some broken synergies where you're like, "This is the perfect two champion combo." and follower mm-hmm. like setup and i've got five of that follower because i kept getting that specific follower drawn for me um so stuff like that can i'm just thinking that with uh with this lab i'm excited to see them continue this lab where uh where i've at this point played through every single champion option i haven't won with everyone yet but I would be interested. I want to interesting what other combos they come up with for the future because I'm yeah. sure they'll reuse this idea. But I'd love also, them to keep it and just swap out the, the champions? eight champions for another That's what eight. Mean. They keep do that and then also swap out the enemy combos. Yes, yeah, make a new track. I guess every yeah. time they swap eight, do a new track of mm-hmm. enemies to fight. But also be interested in, in them bringing this this power up system to uh, an expedition type layout. So you can get some uh, ridiculous. <laughs> I feel so bad going up against somebody that got the like rally every turn, so that they were always on attack. Yeah, maybe. Unless I can back out, as long as I don't pay my token and I'm locked into the. I wouldn't the, do like, expedition. I would, I would have it be a lab. It would, ha- it would oh, have to yeah, be okay. a lab. Okay, I'd be fine with that then. Yeah, it's a lab. no, I'm saying expedition style where it's st- like because that's what this pet lab is is kind of expedition style yeah 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 yeah. unlike the uh the current crazy lab where you just get or i guess it was a few labs ago where you get just a handful of cards and they're all random mm-hmm. uh, that one was a little too ridiculous yeah but yeah so. something with some progression inside itself which is mm-hmm. cool that's i mean it feels like a draft that's why draft mode is is so popular mm-hmm. in a lot of games so yeah, we've been playing that a lot. Um, also, speaking to the new expansion, I looked it up. There are there's eleven new cards, new landmarks alone. I was going to say this. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a lot. And 
seven out of them are two cost or under. Wow, two cost or under? Yeah. Yeah, they really want you using them, man. Um, You're supposed to put them out a lot. Like, those are the, essentially the countdown landmarks. A lot of, uh, all, yeah, actually, there's one, two, three, countdown, four. Yeah, where after, I mean, five of of those, seven. You put them down, it starts a timer. When the timer ends, they pop and have Mm -hmm. some sort of effect. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, more landmark removal means you can actually stop one of those effects after mm-hmm. someone has invested in that countdown or like tried to speed it up. Yeah. So and I think we'll have more landmark removal. And these aren't all just for Sharima. There's a there's at least a Freljord and a Targon. There's, there's a two couple Fre- for Freljord, I believe. Two for Freljord, yeah. yeah. Yes. So yeah, it's not all not all Sharima. No. It's a big, big dump of landmarks mm-hmm. though. I'm excited. Yeah, I can't wait to dive in. That sounds like a fun fun expansion. I, I need to dip back in. I've been doing other things. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, when the power went out, I re- kind of reset my gaming a little bit. We uh, mm-hmm. lost pa- we lost power out here in the Pacific Northwest. A lot of us did. And so a week later, I'm like, what was I doing? Oh, I don't know. You know, yeah. saving, saving battery power on my phone so I'm not doing games. There's no internet and service is really bad out in the boonies where I live. So, mm-hmm. yep. you know. Um. But there's been some news that you wanted to you wanted to touch on, James. You you brought to my attention. Um, yeah. There's a there's some remakes and there's a remake of a remake of a remake. Yes, I had mentioned this. Yeah. So uh, we've been getting news, right? The uh, I think Nintendo had their direct. Sony, mm-hmm. I think, also had some sort of uh, announcement. I haven't fully watched that one. I ended up watching the hilarious donkey recap of it uh, it was pretty great highly recommend it's very satirical the uh the big news is of course in the land of pokemon we're getting a remake mm-hmm. of one of aaron's favorite old pokemon games yeah pearl and diamond which aaron quick thoughts what do you think about the trailer you've seen i i like i will i'm a I like it. I like it a lot. It's one of my favorite regions in terms of Pokemon you can you can get in the area, um, and the story is decent. Um, it's it's also the same kind of gameplay as you usually get from a, a mainstream Pokemon game. Yep, but that's um, what you like of the old one. Yes, and so one of the things I really enjoyed watching this is that it, the styling for the overhead view um, when you're in the main world is chibi, Have which. It. Is hasn't the art style always kind of been maybe not in the 3D games when they've been ported over? But wasn't that's the thing? It's the like the 2D style always been kind of chibi. Yeah, that's they didn't do that when they translated to 3D though. They started expanding. They started stretching their characters out. Mm-hmm. So okay. when I say chibi, I mean like they are one head with a body that the whole body is smaller than the head. Chibi. Yeah. Okay. From so the they're finally, they're f- like it looks like the nostalgic 2d games yeah. that you, you know, okay. So, um, in, in the overworld, when you get to in the fights that looks like they're more tradition, what they've been doing recently in terms of gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I was just like, I was watching that. I was like, that looks like so much fun. And so, and then of course it has some of my favorite Pokemon in there, which I admit are not like, I don't think that my favorite Pokemon are favorites across the board. So I might not get like, like, I don't know who else lives to Torterra, but I love that guy. <laughs> He's just so much fun. Isn't he one of the starters? 
He's one of the star- Tartwig is the star that evolves into Torterra. He's a, but he's wouldn't a, he show up as a starter in the remake? He will. That's why I'm excited. Oh, okay. I thought you were worried that some of your favorites wouldn't be in there. No, uh, I think that some of my favorites re- Pokemon from this region are not very high tier Pokemon. In oh, that sense, okay, gotcha. like like in terms of what a, a popular Pokemon, I don't think Benary counts as one. So you, as a child. Or what, a teen? Uh, Weren't much point. of a min-maxer on the uh, the Pokemon front. No. <laughs> no. Okay, good to know. Okay, right, no. so you like it. That's it's, I'm excited for it. Okay, um, it looks good to you as a fan. Yeah, and I was actually talking to a coworker about about the uh, Pokemon series as they're coming out, and I was realizing, like, while I'm interested in the other release, which I know I'll we'll also talk about, or other announcements, um, I'm thinking... I mean, I'm trying to back off from my Pokemon buys, and I think and I think this might be one of the last ones I go I buy into in terms of remakes and makes because what at least for if it's only for myself. Yeah, are they? Is it just too much of the formula is the same? And at this point, you're like, I have every other one of these games. I do not need to keep buying them. I have other priorities. Yeah other priorities in life of like what I would want to be spending my money on. And I don't need to keep up with the Pokemon games in the same way. I finally got there after 20, 25 years of being in the game. It just takes a child to be like, Nope. All right. Pokemon's not well until you're like, I'm going to get them addicted to this too. (laughs) But that, that's why I'm saying I wouldn't buy it for myself. I see sneaky, sneaky. So in like a couple years, you'll be, so buying them for somebody else. I see. Okay. Nice. Oh, that's well, that's why we have uh let's go mm-hmm. here. Like I'm like, I'll buy this because the kids got interested. That's that's my excuse for go. if I want to keep something that I've tried, I'm like, oh well, you know, if the kids like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll keep it. Even though you're yeah, exactly they're having fun. It's for them and I may play it more than them, but that's not the point. <laughs> don't don't worry about that part. Uh, that's fine. Yeah, uh, speaking of Pokemon games, then, they got the open world one coming out, yeah. so not any sort of remake. Real quick aside, what do you think of that, Aaron? Um, I l- actually really enjoy the concept of it. It's time w- Timeline-wise, it's supposed to take place 100 or so years before. Not 100, but like just years and years before in the same region as this new one that's coming, as the ah, remake that's coming out. Same region. Same region. But like low-tech. They're trying to get away from the... From the all of these modern. games kind of being yeah modern with modern tech yeah it's and when I was re- reading up on it um, I can't remember what it's called sorry guys not gonna be helpful there but um, what I was reading is that it's mod it's being modeled after feudal Japan mm-hmm. which given what starters they've announced as well makes sense um, one of them like the otter turns into a samurai otter or sam- samurai water type and another one turns into a uh, an a ninja archer the and then the the fire type well he doesn't necessarily turn into a a specific like model of a warrior from that time period i think it's his name in japanese uh for the old for his final form does uh, is supposed to mean something i cannot remember what this guy was thinking about in terms of the theming of the game and i was like oh, are you going like to that. probably pick this up I don't know yet because gameplay wise, they haven't really shown me enough to make yeah. it more interesting. Let's let's dive into that for a second. I cannot believe 
sometimes what the Pokemon company puts out for their trailer compared to like other games and what you have to do to make a trailer. Um, oh man. Are you talking about the, the uh, are you talking about the Arceus trailer? Yes. That's, what, that's that? the game. This Legends. open world trailer yeah. it's, was sh- boring Go ahead. for anyone. That's not a Pokemon fan. I'm just going to say it. I, that's my hot I'm take. Pokemon fan. I, I want to want this game. It looks terrible. It doesn't look good. It looks like breath of the wild, attempt but still doing but like 480i a 3DS. and five five frames per second yeah the, the frame rate in the trailer was was poor it's it looks like garbage it, it was built still for like a 3ds or something uh mm-hmm. the graphics they're not uh, they're, they're pretty behind they're like very behind and for a trailer those environments I mean, maybe that's the nice thing was actually they were honest for once in the trailer. And that's mm-hmm. bad on me to like get upset when one studio actually puts out a legitimate trailer of their footage. Whereas every trailer yeah, but that's got to be like pre alpha, right? That can't be the game. Well, right? So like, there's a big problem in the industry. Every trailer you ever watch doesn't matter if it's gameplay or has cinematics. It is being faked in some way. Just there might be a ten percent chance that it's not, but go into every trailer thinking they are faking a bunch of their visuals and the way it looks, and they've over polished, they've dialed up settings to a degree that the whole game will not be able to ship with stuff like that. Like there's always a level of fakery mm-hmm. that goes into those things. Audio. Let's let's, all let's the put time. this in perspective. So you are an audio engineer, and you you taught me once that it doesn't matter if they say. You know, this is a live acoustic performance from wherever. That doesn't mean that it hasn't been touched and tweaked and tuned and mastered by someone in audio before they ship it. Like that was not recorded with a microphone, burned onto a CD and shipped out. Like, I guess yes. Even, the the idea that like it, production is a thing and post production is a thing that everything hits. And even if it says actual gameplay out the bottom of the trailer, that doesn't mean that they just put a capture card on a stock, uh, you know, Nintendo Switch unit, played the game, playing their alpha, and yeah. then exported it. Yes, you know? that's there's, and even if that is the case, let's say that that was the case. There's also the issue that their settings and what they're running to get those shots is not viable performance-wise for the entire game and loading different parts of the, like the way that they are streaming data, stuff like that. None of that matters. They can completely put these shots in isolated situations. It's still gameplay. They're still recording out of their, their, you know, switch. But there's a lot of disingenuous ways to try and bump that up. So I say that all because this trailer <laughs> just doesn't look good enough to look cheated i'd be very sad <laughs> yeah. if it still is uh-huh. being cheated and they're like yeah we don't know how to render stuff you know two miles we can't do those those mountains in the background regularly or you know whatever we're gonna have to cheat them and i'm like uh they already look not very good they look old and on top of that i'm a little actually graphics aren't everything like 
it really does come down to gameplay. I think Breath of the Wild is a pretty looking game, but it's one where it really leveraged its art direction and its art style to manage what it could with the graphics that it had. Because I would consider that graphically, when it came out, it was far better. But that is not graphically, I wouldn't say it's a, that amazing of a graphical game. Um, in, in Like in the numbers settings and in the texture detail and your, your poly count, whatever. But on the upside, it's a Pokemon game with a dodge roll. <laughs> So that's what I'm getting at, though. So that aside, there's no action in the thing. It's a guy running through like an empty village that has very little village detail. Then you're out in a field with like one animation, and then they're like standing around. Then there's a ball that gets thrown at two Pokemon that look exactly the way that the Pokemon in our current-gen Pokemon game look, and they're open world and like overworld where it's just too awkwardly kind of flying around, not really being part of, of nature or doing anything. Whereas I think of like legend of Zelda breath of the wild, you've got the like camps or you, you'll always approach a, an enemy and it kind of feels like they belong where they're at, or there's a reason for being there. Eh, except for a couple, a little bit more, it's like a little more natural. Anyway. I'm so I'm like, uh, who put like, why did they announce this so soon? That's in my mind. I'm like, why is this? Mm-hmm. Why did they not just do a trailer that's like some art, or they do like a little 2D? This is where you do an artsy yeah, do 2D cinematic or something, yeah. and you spend ten grand on some uh, ultimately worthless, but like a far more hypeable two minute trailer that's not f- even fake. It's just it's completely like separated from the gameplay and the actual shots. Yeah. It's to give you the idea of the game without giving you the game. Cause I love the idea of the game. Like, I don't know if Aaron's in the same camp, but I, like as a, you know, I was growing up as a fan of the, of the, the, the series. This is what I've always wanted was every, you know, a, a true overland yeah. and mechanical do the thing. Uh, version of this game instead of everything being grid style yeah. and, and turn-based. Uh, more like the which, TV show, right? Like that's, I think we, uh, yeah. we grew up on the show yeah. and the show was, I run out into the woods and it isn't that I'm like trying to catch the uh, the beedrill, right? I think in the first episode, that's, it's a swarm of bees. It's yes, not that I'm it trying is. to capture the beedrill. It's actually the puzzle is my Pokemon needs to solve and save me from a pile of beedrills. It's not sometimes oh, you do run. I, you know, the entire game isn't the, the TV show isn't entirely based around gym fights and one on one poke battles with these isolated, it was like puzzles in a way. Mm-hmm. They're, they're like mm-hmm. environmental puzzles in a lot of situations where the Pokemon solved the issue for you. And it, I mean, that's hard to translate into a game, but I think that's the, this very lofty, narrative driven puzzly environmental or environment-based kind of But I'm not sure it systems. is that difficult because it is Breath of the Wild. Like, you're talking about Breath of the Wild, and that's clearly <laughs> right. what they're going for here. That's, I guess, difficult. Genshin impact sort of a <laughs> yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think they're on, they're barking up the right tree, but please tell me this is coming out in two years or more. Like, this is the only time that I want something to <laughs> not come out in the <laughs> oven longer. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. 
I love this game. Please don't release it. Yes, that's all right. Yeah, I'm, I love the concept. It's not looking too hot. And honestly, like both this game and then uh, I'm going to reference uh, the new Pokemon Snap game that's also coming out. Both of them, neither like, like I was like, okay, this is fun. I don't think I'm wanting to buy either of them right now. Like, and th- this is where my art art hat actually is like becoming. I am more becoming more and more critical. Like people, people should were rightfully of, of like Sword and Shield. Um, and I was just late to the party because I was too hung up on my nostalgia. I look at the game, these games on the trailers, and I'm like. And I'm actually right now looking at a, one of the the official trailer pictures that go like the um, the thing that goes up on YouTube the, the the thumbnail, and I'm looking at it. And to the left is a rock that has some high detailed texturing on it, and to the right is a Lapras that is smooth as, f- yeah, just it's smooth, <laughs> smooth as, f- <laughs> yes, um, and like the texturing only looks like it got painted. Like it only has like te- like color texture and maybe a brief normal map to help with some of the crevices, but like they're matching these these pieces these odd like stylings, and I, I saw, think I, and I see this in the in this other game too in the Cino- in the Arceus one, and you see uh, where they're just trying to match these pieces, but while keeping their characters simple, um, and it's something that's like I'm, I'm confused by. And then I think back into actually the Let's Go series did a great job, in my opinion, of matching their environments to their characters. Like artistically, it's because the characters aren't just they aren't they don't look like they just got painted. They actually look like they have a little bit more maps to them, um, like that give them more uh, like light reactive texturing, which for me that's called that's called normal map. And, or or specular maps, and they get they have a little bit more to them that are just just pushing the character models enough that it still feels like it's an advanced, it's, it's more advanced, and it just works with their rest of the styling of the world. And they just never what, took that into their other games, and I just, I'm really starting to become more confused about their art direction style. Mm-hmm. So most uh, profitable IP on the face of this earth. Yeah. Very and confusing. they can't put more than a nickel into the graphics. That's, or the team maybe just has, I, honestly, it can even be the, it's probably not so much, but it can be some devs that are, that have been working on it forever or just, it's a couple ways that the company does things internally. Because if, if you back. can get, if you can get Witcher to play on the Switch, you can do a little bit better visually on the again i'm sure it's just an alpha and they'll they'll smooth it up but yeah again the art direction needs to catch up at least with you know uh an old game like pokemon let's go or uh you know the uh, breath of the wild like these are not new games pushing the limits of the hardware these are old games yes that's still outperforming Mm -hmm. and i think we probably have expected this with the first open world Pokemon game was probably going to be the one that finally aged the graphics because finally we are outside of the usual Pokemon setting. So now we can compare it to other games mm-hmm. in a way we just, you don't quite do before the, the stylized content worked a little better and it's nostalgic kind of form. But yeah. As soon as it's open world, as soon as it starts to show landscapes that we can see in 
most of the open world modern games, we start going, oh, that's that's a pretty bad draw distance. Like, oh, that's mm-hmm. that tree doesn't look very good. Actually, I'd ask <laughs> everyone to go look at the trees in that open world area. They look, uh, they look, they look pretty old. So anyway, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tear it apart anymore. Okay? They're better than the sword shield trees. <laughs> yeah, that would have that one. Yeah, at least improved the trees. I think I'm not saying by much, but they did improve them. I, I don't know this. I'm really curious what the studio. This is where sometimes the studio can be at fault more so than a shareholder or a top tier director. If the studio has a bunch of senior dev staff that have been making 3ds games forever you can get kind of stuck in a rut or like your pipelines are all in place to where that is what you output and if they haven't changed a lot of the internal staff honestly like it's not that it's the dev's fault for a different type of game they honestly might need to like bring in another studio that will retrain or shift that pipeline into a pipeline that works for modern asset creation, modern graphics, modern open world tech, the way that streamed data happens. Like, I just wonder if a bunch of their core ways of doing things make it really, really hard for themselves, which is true of a lot of games that come out. Uh, Cyberpunk's a good example. I think of what at some point had to be lead programmers making tech decisions and trying to decide how to do the tech and then fighting that tech against like the design bloat that happened, that sort of thing. So sometimes it can be a dev studio that's got some issues at the top end of of things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wonder, since we've only ever seen output kind of look this way, if that's happening. So that's a thought I have. So I don't want to get too mad at any one person and i don't want to tear apart the i'm I'm just hoping i'm hoping it's pre-alpha footage which could mean anything who knows you know what stage they're at if it's pre-alpha could be six months i'm I'm, (laughs) i'm sure we'll see something a little bit better um come up come up soon so we'll we'll keep an eye on it i mean if it really is what i want it to be i'm this is not gonna i don't pre-order games anymore uh i got bit too many times so i'll i'll wait for it to come out As but this is something should. that would be on my yeah it's, it's on my it's on my radar except for though, one thing you know it's one thing not to worry about actually i mean it could be i'm not gonna do it uh yeah because everyone's i like everyone said that about cyberpunk it's like oh well this one you can pre-order because the witcher was good you this one you can do yeah no it's it's been so. a bite a lot it's been way too many <laughs> bites lately and not enough like payoffs so yeah i'm not done uh, with remakes though i got a couple other i want to talk mm-hmm. about we got way too sidetrack on the uh the, the pokemon. pokemon there uh, thanks a lot aaron i think you talked about it more than i did oh I, i'll time okay. it out i will count the minutes and many see. many um my last thoughts on the pokemon piece before we move on is that uh, the developer for the new uh, for the Arceus game is oh gosh I just had it up. Um, is Game Freak? That's the developer, and then the, the Pokemon Snap developer is different. It's Bandai Namco Studios, and that's why the Pokemon Snap one of all the Pokemon games actually looks better. Still not mm-hmm. 
the most amazing thing of graphics pushes, but... Still some questions I have, but definitely better. I mean, I think that's a big tell right there. If the studio has largely stayed the same, Mm -hmm. they're still making games off of whatever their 3DS pipeline is. Is I mean, that's visually what it would appear to be, just based off of final product. Hmm, okay. So something to think about. I knew one of the the three games that have been talked about recently for them was developed by someone else, and I was fairly sure it was Snap. So... I want that makes sense because that one does look the most distinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other remakes, remasters. This is the year. We've got Skyward Sword coming out for the standard new Nintendo price of sixty bucks for the base game, but then with the controller, it's like fairly expensive. Um, it's been a little bit of stink about that made. I am actually excited. So I was talking to Danny. Um, guy who was on last week with me, very good friend. I'm probably going to get that, or at least borrow his copy if he rebuys it. Or just borrow his old copy for the GameCube? No, Wii. It's the Wii one, Skyward Sword. Um, so I'm excited no, for it, that, actually. It, Skyward Sword was Wii U. Oh, is it Wii U? Mm-hmm. It was Wii U. That's the thing is it's only it's only nine years old. Really? Okay. Yeah, I'm actually surprised I'm so that you lost. said that Skyward Sword had a remake because of how recent it is. But yeah. Oh, that's that, the one. That's the whole thing is it's not it's not very old. When it comes out, it'll be ten years old. So what I'm gonna like, do it, is actually because this just got the conversation started. He was like, I know you didn't like Ocarina of Time that much, but Skyward Sword might be the sort of flavor you want in this type of game. Um, now that's true because most people who like Ocarina of Time do not like Skyward yes, Sword. That's probably so. I'll probably like it more. So I'm that and Twilight Princess copy. are are very off. But yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a a different thing. And that's kind of I do like that Zelda's made two or three copies of like kind of a a way of doing it, and then they'll change the formula up a bit, and then do it again, and then shift the formula. With their latest one being just beloved. But the, I'm sure they'll, after the sequel, make another formula post Breath of the Wild. Okay, my, my bad. I will correct myself. It was originally released on the Wii in 11 and then re-released on the Wii U. Oh, so, so this is did, a re-re-release. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if that makes it better or worse that it was originally yeah. a Wii game, but it already got re-released. That's funny. So of all the Zelda games to uh, to redo... They redid something that was already redone. I mean, who does that? Yeah, right? So, speaking of that, I am probably going to play some version of Skyward Sword at this point. So, that's on my radar of games to play. Speaking of redo redoings, Final Fantasy VII Remake got a redo announced, which is called Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade, which is a downscaled, kind of chibi, not chibi though, like the the low poly, that's not low poly, it's high poly, but it looks like the original, but it's a remake of the remake, not the original. So they've essentially... So, hold on, hold on. So (laughs) we've we've got the the Dorito game, the original Final Fantasy VII Dorito edition. Um, Then they remade it in high fidelity graphics and cut scenes, but it only included the first third of the game and they expanded it. So it's a whole game just based off of the first disc of number seven. 
So now they are taking that game that is only a third of the original Dorito game and making a a highly stylized but remake looks... into a Dorito looking stylized remake. <laughs> Am I yes. following this at all? I, I mean, I don't think anyone can follow the, this company properly, right? So Square Enix can do Square Enix and, and yeah, be them. Square's gonna square. Square's gonna square. I so we're getting that. Circle. We're getting the second. I think they're pushing also for the second portion of Final Fantasy VII remake. Just just the remake. And then, as a PlayStation owner, I'm very happy because Final Fantasy VII remake is free on the PlayStation Store this month. So that's weird. I don't know why it came out so soon, but I get that game for free if, as long as I press two buttons in the PlayStation store. Uh, so anyone with a PlayStation, definitely pick up Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy VII Remake for free if you have the uh, PS Plus. But I've saved the best for last. The big remake that I'm looking forward to, which is not a remake, it's a remaster in this case, and that is the Mass Effect trilogy, which I could talk about for an entire episode. So we'll probably shelve that one. But that is coming out very I, soon. I will have a quick question. This is, I'm, but from what I've heard, this is going to be like the Ezio collection where it's going to be one, one disc that you kind of select which game it's going to be. I believe it's one like, disc, but yes. Yeah. You get all um, three games. This is a little better than the uh, remaster typically too. I think this is the more all-encompassing remaster. You get all three games. So, all. Yeah, what I've what I've been told is if you're going to start in that you should start at the second one because the first one doesn't have like the qu- the quality of play is low and that the second one fixed it is this going to integrate the like the the ease of use yes. stuff. So, first off, I would hope anybody who starts this journey starts at the very beginning cuz the story in the first one is the best. It's the most It's just got that like, you know, that freshman spirit, the the thing that you get off of a, a freshman album from an artist, like that first production where like the sky was the limit and there weren't even internal restraints yet. By the second one, you have to like match tone and start like copying yourself. That first one's always just kind of the burst of creative energy. And that first game, story-wise and kind of going through it's just I don't think the other two can can beat it on a high level story level that doesn't make a lot of sense the second game and third game have way better combat though they smooth a lot of the rough edges and by better it's still like cover-based shooting so i never even the first one i don't think you go into these games for the combat as like your core thing it's more of a bunch of the sauce that they put on top of of the actual like burger which is story character development character choices, story choices, that stuff. This remaster, though, is going to update graphics and give you all three games with all of the DLC except for one DLC, which I would consider forgettable. It's like a gauntlet-style DLC. So good if you like the combat, but not at all integral to any story. Like, it does not give you what a lot of the other DLCs do. So I would say you get the complete DLC package and all three games, all of them 
like retextured, upgraded, updated graphics. And the first game, they updated the graphics using the other games to some degree. So some of the characters don't look the same between Mass Effect 1 and 2. Like they change character models a bit. They just updated and boosted a couple of the characters. So you get all that in the first game. So there's more visual consistency. And then the combat, they say they're pulling from the other two and putting into the first one. Because the first one's combat did not know quite yet what it wanted to be. And so it's a bit of a mishmash and doesn't quite work on any of the the levels it was going for. So it's just kind of nebulous and floaty as a combat system. It's not very solid. So you get the the better combat so that if you are in for the combat, you're not going to bounce off of the first game. So yeah, as a package, looks beautiful. I would absolutely recommend it. I mean, I guess I'll have to play it, but as long as it's just the whole game with combat from the second one also in the first one, buy it. Like, And just some updated graphics. As long as it's not buggy, I can't see a reason not to not to pick this one up. So I'm excited. So I haven't excited. I haven't played the games at all. Like not oh not a minute goodness. of them. How do I I, I played I about an people. hour of the first one after so what, the what, third one came out. I mentioned this last week. That trilogy is what I would consider to be the best games of all time for me. Mm-hmm. Not on if I was doing a critical list, it would not be at the top. But as a sci-fi lover, this is where Randy, I think that you would adore these games and really like them and get into them. And with all the DLC, it's a big package. You have like a hundred hours a game here that is very good through and through. It's not like a grindy 100 hours. Like it is going to be, I mean, all three games. You can do all three in like so 100 hours. When I watched it, it looked to me like it was going to be a KOTOR but cover-based shooter instead of a turn-based shooter. That's a pretty good way of putting How? it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's the same developer as KOTOR. It's that, but the, it's just the cinematography, the camera work boosts and elevates the project beyond where KOTOR did for me. Like, KOTOR is really good, and it has some good, few, but good cinematics. Uh, but it's missing some of the visual flair that just modern games are able to do on that scale, where you can have 200 unique dialogue interactions that that do different sorts of camera pans, stuff like The Witcher, where, you know, just constantly, like, custom camera work being done. That adds a ton. Yeah. So every conversation Makes it more of a is, movie. A, is a movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, KOTOR, yeah. it was a little more of the old school, like every conversation is still a text box with, with dialogue on the bottom of the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the same time, Maybe. there are arguments that Mass Effect dumbed down the conversational system too far. But I think I would say it's in that sweet spot. Yes, I'd probably rather have these big, like the Fallout type, dialogue choices so I can really see what I'm going to say. Sometimes you say the wrong thing because the summary is bad. Um, but overall, just a, it's a smooth experience and you, you fly through it because you don't have to, again, look at text. So you're, you're able to respond and talk to people in like normal pace and get through conversations at a normal pace. So the whole thing just has this cinematic flair to it that is, is mm. phenomenal. It's great. I may have to. I may have to try that out. We'll see when it comes around. <laughs> That's. I. We'll see what I'm picking it up on, unless it's only PC. Uh, but then I start sharing it with everybody. I'm going to convert everyone. 
or everyone that would will be a it. problem for me yeah. so the story is just so good so hopefully you haven't been spoiled on it uh i i have not that's things i i know i oh i know like a few names and stuff that's but nothing concepts okay yeah nothing nothing of, of consequence yeah i know that like some of your um decisions carry from game to game yes um but no i so let's i mean it launches uh may 14th yeah very soon uh very so excited. that's something i'll check out uh are you going to get the uh it, for the record it is out on origin playstation xbox and steam so lots I'm debating. of, lots yeah. of ways yeah i think it's uh, a good console game that's i honestly like on controller it feels really good uh i don't think it's going to feel as good on mouse and keyboard and again, with that cinematic flair, like on a TV, this game, I think, really mm-hmm. shines. And if we're going to have to share the game, which we probably will, yeah, it's probably it's better be for us uh, to get on PS, the, the PlayStation for us to share. So just then, a note, uh, that might be one of the last <laughs> for a while, once we have to take our little break here from a baby, uh, that might be one of the last things I talk about. <laughs> since we've Yeah, that's, that's, that's even pushed, Nate. Congratulations, you guys will be... I know, right? A little busy. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, welcome busy, to the fold. A little tired. Yeah, right. Yeah. Speaking um, of which, <laughs> I'm a little bit are of you, now. <laughs> are you going to before we before we sign off? Uh, have you seen the legendary cache for Mass Effect? Yeah, I I did, <laughs> and then I very promptly realized I need to never look at that and forget about it. Yeah, but you have no interest in a wearable replica helmet with LED lighting uh, effects, seal case, art print. I looked at it and went, no, I need to, I I mean, really what and I said an, was, an yes. An enamel pin, I, an N7 acceptance letter, and a full stop color Stop reading them box. out, man. Stop reading them out. <laughs> I have been kicking myself ever since Mass Effect 2 and 3, and I passed up collector's editions with, like, statues and stuff. Again, my favorite game series of all time, and I have no memorabilia for it we got all oh sorts boy, of other there's... game things and then they come out with this with the perfect memorabilia which is a wearable helmet i think that that's the thing I, that or like a a shepherd statue. with led lights but even a statue he doesn't look like my shepherd because i changed his look so i think a helmet is probably the best thing and that's i'm like Dang cool. it. darn babies <laughs> and birthing costs uh... and hospital visits and I need to not spend. How much is that? One hundred and sixty, or is it two forty? Oh, I'm not. I haven't even okay, looked. Don't. No, we'll pretend it's like two forty, just <laughs> way out of the yeah. price range. It's nine thousand dollars. Yes. Okay. According to yeah, probably Aaron, that is what it is. Unless well, I'm I'm, I'm sure she would go and buy it for you if Honey? you handed her nine thousand dollars. Uh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I think I that would first like get a show. lightsaber blades for his Whoa, lightsaber. There we go. Yeah, I need the. No, actually, I would. <laughs> I would get myself a lightsaber at, then. Okay, there you go. Yeah, so that we could actually like, yeah, <laughs> have like a lightsaber fight. Yeah. No, that helmet I'd pay is. To see that. It's nice. It's real nice. I'd probably get you it, if if I could only spend this on f- fan merch, on just merchandise type stuff, which is what I'm thinking of. I would start with those. I'd probably go ahead and knowing that like you don't have any merchandise for this, get you something for this, but just not the helmet. Oh. Well, like uh you have the Aloy yeah. character. I'd, I like one of those for Shepherd. Uh-huh. Would That's, also be awesome. Just something. Yeah. yeah. Just a statue of it. Yep. Just looking cool. Mm-hmm. 
with his uh, his blade out or something and a gun. Well, we could we could go on, but instead we're going to go to bed. Um, yes. Thank you for for listening, everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so glad to be back, guys. I know we ran a little late, but um, boy, I I had so much I wanted to talk about, and I'm glad that we that we <laughs> so touched on everything go. that we did. Yeah, no, totally. It was uh, good to have you guys back. Mm-hmm. Held down the fort last time with Danny. Forgot that like a yep. month has gone by, you know. So it's good. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it still actually uh, means uh, 40, two 45-minute episodes that we've shoved together, really. Yes. You know, you think about we'll think it. about it that way. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, yeah, everyone knows all the normal things. We love uh, any feedback that we get uh, in any of the places. Uh, if I don't notice a review, just send an email to the uh, uh, com or, you know, uh, whatever avenue you can find. Just let me know and I'll I'll uh, I'll check it out. But uh, thank you guys very much for being on. Is there any final thoughts before we uh, let the nice people go? No, just that I need to go look up that collector's edition again just to see, just to look <laughs> at it, just to gaze upon it one last time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Later. All right. Bye. Later, gamers. <laughs> I've, I've accepted it. Oh, no, you haven't. It's still bothering you. I can hear it.